Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Anti-Racist Economy. Um, our moderator, Aaron Mills, will not be here for the next two episodes because of um, shit she's taking care of. And so I've asked over the next two episodes two, two friends of mine um, to come on and be guests on the show. And today, my um, the friend who stepped in is Chad Loader, um, and it's pro his pro their pronouns are they them. And Chad, would you introduce yourself, and then we'll get started. Sure. Hello, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll um, just kind of by way of a quick introduction. I'm a um, reformed tech entrepreneur. I founded uh, two tech companies. Um, have uh recently in the last couple of years been working on a lot of community volunteering and um independent journalism uh focusing a lot of times on far-right extremists and also how the online um you know tech ecosystem sort of plays into that um that whole world it's weird being giving my own introduction. So I'll just read you what we always say. As anti-racist economists, Kim Creighton is dedicated to building a future that is supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. Each month, join Kim and renowned um, exper um, experienced strategist Aaron Mills, who is not here, as they discuss the intersection of uh, critic, um, current events, pop culture, social change, and the ever ex and, and exploring the um, critical dynamics of anti-racism and psychological safety in today's rapidly evolving workplace. So we always start with um, what are you working on? What's happening with you? So Chad, what are you working on? And it could be something you don't have to go into detail, but just what I just like to we'd like to frame what's going on in your world, basically. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be in a position right now where I am um, uh, on sabbatical, which is uh, white speak for unemployed. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm using my time right now on a few different projects. I'm doing a lot of work with our local unhoused community here in Los Angeles, and um, you know, uh, we have a couple of of encampments that we've been working with for a couple of years, and you know, really proud of the work that that uh, we're doing there. And um, I'm also, you know, continuing to do research on far right extremists. I'm not on Twitter anymore, which has been, I think, more of a blessing than I expected it to be. It's been, uh, it's been really relaxing not to be on there in the everyday, you know, attack response kind of uh, pattern. So there's that and then working on um, you know, uh, we'll get into this later if we want to, but, you know, had a lot of experience lately over the last couple of years with uh, far right extremists trying to drag me into court to or, you know, threaten me with legal action to try to silence me. So throughout that process, I developed a lot of respect for uh, the attorneys, the defense attorneys that I work with and the First Amendment attorneys I work with and um, have been realizing there's just not enough uh movement attorneys out there people who really mm. want to do work for for the most vulnerable folks uh, including you know frankly a lot of the folks that we work with at the encampment so i have been researching law <laughs> school believe it or not <laughs> okay uh-huh yeah how about <laughs> you how what what you've been working on how's how's uh how's bell how's how's my <laughs> yeah don't even talk about okay so people <laughs> <laughs> 
this this person does not want to talk about Nobel Prize in economics. Uh, we haven't talked much about my my baby. Um, my my supposed to be our dog. Let me tell you about this. <laughs> During the pandemic, Chad reached out and said, "Oh, let's share a dog together." And I'm like, "How the hell are we gonna do that?" And we're over three thousand miles away. Mind you, he is an absentee father. He has yet to provide <laughs> ongoing, consistent support for his child. <laughs> we have this long-running gag that I'm a, a deadbeat dad over here. But um... yeah, and he, 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 that they've only met their child once. Um, yeah, it's 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 as a as a single mom, it's been really hard. <laughs> She's, uh, it's been so interesting to watch, uh, Kim and I would always FaceTime and, you know, just watch this dog basically just cowering in the corner and now really seeing, you know, how she's, how she's come along. That's, it's been, it's been cool to see. And, uh, it was nice, oh, it was mean, nice oh, to meet her. She, she wasn't a huge fan of me at first, but I do feel like and, she's and every reason. Down. And I, I, I'm, I'm that kind of mother. I bad mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, she definitely had heard some shit about me before I uh, met her. That's for sure. But um, what I'm working on is the book finally came out and I haven't told you this and no one else knows I'm having to leave my publisher. And so I'm going to end up having to um, get my own ISBN and self-publish this book. Um, oh, far out. Uh, huh? I said far out. <laughs> okay. If if you want to see it as it, it's a positive long-term, but right now it's, it's as, um, as folks know, I took time off yes last year to write it and so my income isn't where where I wanted to be and this was not a um a, a expense I had planned for um I actually planned for a very long relationship with that publisher but with the work that I'm doing focusing on supremacy coercion discrimination and exploitation free I recognize that I need to be in a different situation um I need to be um, able, I can't do status quo. I can't do business as usual. I just can't. It's like a rash. It's like a, a you know, like I'm allergic. I just can't do it. Yeah. It's so I think it's so, really hard uh, to be, uh, to really do the work you way you want it, the way you want to do it and to really be yourself and to push the boundaries, uh, and, and be relying on sort of traditional organizations or traditional, you know, means of support. Like, yeah, uh, it's not possible at the end of the day. Yeah. And so it's been really, it was a, a, an unexpected shift that I have to make. And yet in the long run, I know it's better. Um, it's going to be the best thing because it's, um, I'm actually, um, attorneys working on it right now, um, to, we're going to launch the Futurist Free Media Production Company. Um, nice. yeah. And so, I'm now at the beginnings of researching what all that means. Um, so that is what I'm um, heads down in right now. Um, besides promoting the book and everything else, um, I have, by the time this comes out, I will have a head and no, I'll be getting ready for an event at um, the Apex Museum in Atlanta, doing a book signing for Black History Month. Um, and, um, you know, hopefully getting a few interviews and stuff like that, but just, just, you know, realizing that my business, and we can talk about this and we get to the trigger that I realized that as successful as I was with cause a scene, that was a totally different thing. And it, um, 
means I'm starting my business over from scratch. I just really had to just embrace that because it's not yeah. like it's part two. No, it's starting all over. And so this kind of leads into the trigger because Chad and I for days have been going back and forth about what we're going to talk about. And it didn't come to me until he we were talking about, we, I was throwing out some, some, um, some, um, some topics and and I want to say this up front I, I apologize in advance because I still may use he because I'm so used to because I want to model for people why it's so 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 challenging and it's okay when we fuck up people's pronouns and we make make amends and apologize and get it right I've known Chad um as as he and they now use they them pronouns and so it's about breaking that habit and so it's about understanding respect. So I'm, I'm saying that now because it keeps, he keeps popping in my head. And so you hear me pause, folks. It's because I am doing the work that I'm trying to model of how you respect people, how they show up. So oh, I appreciate the effort. I see you. Uh, and so um, we were throwing things back and forth and it didn't come to, we said today, um, Chad was saying, because I was going to, I brought up the Twitter incident and they were saying about PTSD. And I was like, oh my God, we, this is what we need to talk about because that's what cause of scene was to me. As successful as cause of scene was, it was ongoing every day being triggered and just trying to brace myself for the bullshit. And that was very, um, not only um, traumatizing, but also because of how, we're told we have to move and how we have to engage and that people owe, I mean, we owe people our time. It was like suiting up for war, not wanting to go, but being told you have to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, um, a, a lot of that has to do with Twitter, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, conversation that this was something that you taught me and kind of checked me on a couple of times, which was, you know, you would see how I was using my Twitter and sort of quote tweeting people and sort of getting into these public arguments. And, you know, I'm I'm approaching it from a perspective of, well, this is something that people get wrong a lot. Well, I'm either approaching it from a perspective of I'm triggered, you know, and so I want to lash out or is approaching it from a perspective of like, let's let's use this as a teaching moment and, you know, show how this is actually, you know, a wrong and harmful statement. And I think you said something like, you know, I'm noticing you're really getting caught up in a lot of these, you know, responding to a lot of these things and then and riffing off of that. And I want to remind you of, you know, what is your strategy here? Because you're you're setting yourself in opposition to all these things, but what are you building? Because you can't build something that's coming from a place of opposition. You have to build something from a, from a place of like creating what is the content you want to put out there, regardless of like who's disagreeing with you, whatever else. And I think that's when I really started to sort of find my niche and, and yeah you were scared you were you were a shotgun at that point you were just yeah. shooting uh buckshot all over the place exactly and and once we had that conversation and once we because the dms were full we were going back and forth and trying to get you to um because i didn't know what it was either and at the time so i couldn't advise you i just knew that you as a as a white presenting man yeah. had power particularly in the fact that you were a ceo in tech and are in rooms that I'm never introduced to into, you had some leverage and you had the ability, you weren't afraid to push the boundaries, but the way you were pushing the boundaries as the way many white folks push the boundaries, who is it helping? Who yep. is it harming? What is the what is the end goal here? Just to be out here. And this is one of the things, oh, oh my God. So this gets us to, because when we really got into, this was the, 
um, like twin. It was before the pandemic yep. because it was. Um, I know Trump was in office, and you were just wilding out, and it makes it makes sense. It it it, it, it particularly if you think about the person that brought us together. Um, that individual, that was their work, just screaming and hollering and 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 not having a plan. And how I, my work was different from their work was I always had a strategy. And um, it was, yes, I was calling people out. Yes, I was doing all that shit. And yet it was because like, you knew I was never, I rarely engaged with the, those individuals um, directly. I always quote tweeted it because I knew that there were people following me who had to learn these lessons. So I always had a strategy. So it was like, Chad, what is, I see what you're doing. I get it. I'm, I'm happy that you are one of the few white folks out here who is doing this work, taking this hit for us. But what is your end goal? Because if you don't have an end goal, the people like me get harmed. And this is when, um, yeah, because it started, it was, it was, I get it because it was, it was the whole, um, Bernie Sanders conversation, mm -hmm. um, about how frustrated I was with him and everybody saying how he's such a revolutionary and he's so progressive, but he, he, in, in, in 2018 and 19 still, and still today can't have a conversation about race, um, uh, when everything in this country is rooted in racism, um, and he he had the ear of the, the the future generations and all they walked away with was I'm going to be um, this is a this is a revolution. No, fuck it isn't a revolution when all when you're flipping tables and not know the strategy means the people you think you're trying to protect are going to be harmed. And so that was one of the things that you and I were going back and forth with uh, about how do you do this while prioritizing the most vulnerable most vulnerable and um minimizing harm and then i just sat back it's like and this is what i love because most white people particularly white presenting dudes white people no i'm just gonna say dudes white dudes who live as white men they don't you can sit there all day they want to be educated they you can sit there all day and they never take action it's always they need somebody to hold their hands to tell them what to do next. And that's a lot of goddamn work that I'm not trying to do. Just to sit back after we had those conversations and watch you find your lane was oh it, and I think I told you it was it was like it was like watching your toddler start walking. It was so great to see. I was Aww. so excited. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting too because I, you know, it gives me the opportunity to to check in and say, okay, where am I coming from a place of ego? Where am I coming from a place of wanting to demonstrate that I'm one of the good whites? Yep. You know, uh, all of those things. And uh, that it's actually, all that stuff is not, it's not just um, besides the point. It, it actually consumes a huge amount of effort and, and, and time and focus. And so it's nice to be able to, you know, um, follow the invitation to leave some of that stuff behind. And it's, it's obviously it's an ongoing thing and, and I still have to check in with myself. Uh, I think I'm a lot more careful these days, you know, but also I think, the principles from cause a scene are still pretty important to me. And, and it's so interesting how, when you follow them, you end up uh, working really closely with black people, period. <laughs> like if you're prioritizing the most vulnerable, yes. then and if, let's say you're working with, with the unhoused population in Los Angeles, right? Like I think uh, black people make up 8% of the population in LA. They make up 34 to 35% of its homeless population. And so if you're working with unhoused people, you're going to be working 
with a, a much larger percentage of black people than you would um, just sort of otherwise working on other issues mm -hmm. simply mm -hmm. as a byproduct of, of prioritizing the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And like another interesting thing is how many trans people there are that are unhoused. Yes. And, and I've had, you know, trans um, organizers and volunteers who haven't worked with with unhoused folks before saying, you know, I'd like to I'd like to participate. And I want to come down to the encampment. I'm, I, I'm not sure, like, how they're going to react to someone who, you know, is trans and, you know, um, might not fit sort of gender norms. I'm like, oh, you should come down there because they're it's just not a thing for them. They're just like, okay, oh, so right. I'm going to stop you. What's I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you because uh, yeah. what you're speaking at is something that, another thing that you and I have in common. We talk about this so much of how you are the whitest black person. <laughs> I mean, you are the, sorry, you are the blackest white person I know. Um, we have so, Chad and I are always sharing R&B songs. We're always, I mean, just, just, um, we have, and, and it's because you're Irish. Yep. And, and we've talked about, I've talked about, so, so every, and when you share this, sometimes it breaks my heart because it demonstrates how whiteness um, conscripted Irish people who were most in community with black folks and stripped away that community we have because there's so many things you'll say like we're talking about um you know um African um, American language right and then you'll mm -hmm. say something and you and it's and it's literally something an Irish an Irish term or something that you use and it's like oh Oh, oh my God, you you know that? That's what that thing is? And it's mm -hmm. I love how there's so much overlap in our communities. And I've said this several times to you. It saddens me to, to know that we could have really had a community had Irish people. And I get it. I, I mean, if, if, you know, if, Black people have chosen to be white because of the benefits. Um, and it's just so, you just see so, so much loss and how far we could have gotten had we stayed um, together. Because you, you'll say some stuff about the black community. I'm like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, uh, it is sad too, because, you know, my ancestors uh, came here on, on uh, what they call the coffin ships, which were, you know, just basically uh, the Irish genocide, people escaping that in the, you know, mid 1800s and arrived, you know, people would literally like eat their fingers to, to not starve to death and arrive with the ships just rotting off their, their clothes just rotting off their backs. But, um, you know, the, that's where this concept of whiteness comes in, right? Because you, you get Irish people who, you know, really understand what it's like to be oppressed or suffering from a genocide, trying to flee that. And then they come here and, integrate themselves into the whiteness take advantage of that um and then know. they try to make a false equivalency between white or um irish oppression and oppression um from indigenous uh, people who are descendants oh yeah oh we were slaves too yeah, yeah not really <laughs> but also like irish americans you know banded together and and uh beat up black people and pushed them off the docks and, and mm -hmm. other immigrants and yep. you know that that whole um what is that movie about bill the butcher um uh american game i forget what it's called but it's it's basically a story of how this you know racist irish american gangs would you know gang up and push people push black people and other folks off the docks in new york gangs mm -hmm. of new york that's what it is yeah you know? that's what i thought you were about to say yep, mm -hmm. yep. and then you it's you, you have the uh 
Irish revolutionaries who stayed in Ireland who were really tight with the Black Panther Party and things like that in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And they would say, like, it's really a shame what, what's happened to Irish Americans mm -hmm. and how they've, they've, you know, sort of forgotten where we come from. And, and uh, so that's, it's interesting. But I also mean, I think maybe socioeconomic stuff plays into it for me. Oh, it's a lot of things. Yeah, it's not, again, it's not a nuanced, um, it's not a nuanced conversation and i mean it's not a binary conversation yeah. it's a nuanced one but until we start having the basic honest ones we can't even get to the nuance yeah. um and 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 so let's one of the things um we were talking about this which made me think about when i really challenged you was that greta Ta what's her name what's her name oh uh Thunberg. yeah yes and she came here on her little catamaran or whatever the hell how she got here and Everybody was applauding the little white girl who was um, a climate changer and you were excited. And what did I say to you? Yeah, I think I think you said, uh, you know, who's who's not being who's not being uh, highlighted, who's not being celebrated, who's not being, you know, held up as a hero. And, you know, it's it's black and indigenous, you know, climate activists who are who are kids who like are literally being killed in some cases, you know, um, coming from a. a and they're not necessarily getting the interviews. They're not getting. Well, what I one of the things I said was, "Who's the face of it now?" No right. one was talking about these issues. Um, um, like the, the young black girl in Flint, Michigan. All, uh, all these black and um indigenous people have been talking about climate issues forever. Until they put a white face on it, it wasn't acceptable. Mm -hmm. And and then you you I mean it was like few days later because I think they were going to I don't know if it was Davos or the UN or something and you you literally saw I forget where this little young black woman was from but it was a picture with all these white people and they just basically ignored that she was even standing there yep absolutely well I think kind of like similar to you know the Bernie conversation or even like the conversation around legalization of weed and in, in, in America and you know, yeah, it's like, oh, it's not saying that legalizing weed is a bad thing, but look who becomes the face of this. And then look who ends up moving in on the business opportunity. Yes. While black men, black women are still rotting in jail. Incarcerated over it. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Because even with um, the Biden saying with the executive order about decriminalizing um, people who obviously are not trafficking in, in weed, um, where have we seen that? happen anywhere where who who's benefited from that you said it it was a it was a great little um spiel but um who who what has happened with that and that's what continues to happen we make the well not we um folks in power and make these proclamations and it's still um every day this stuff is impact impacting the lives of black black and brown people particularly black folks in this country and it's always the oh well we tried well you know we had a it's why like why can't you be why can't you just be happy that we got this far <laughs> why is everything always got to be there's a fly in the ointment you know mm -hmm. which is the oldest conversation it's why can't you just be happy right. <laughs> right. yeah like okay so so bernie's not perfect but you know at least he's doing this and it's like well it's it's not that you're not happy it's that you you're gonna get it wrong you're gonna focus on the wrong stuff well, I'm going to challenge that because Bernie has, someone needs to show me that I have not seen data that Bernie has done shit. See, that's why, that's my whole, we, I will not tiptoe around this. Okay, so he's been in Congress, I mean, yeah, been in, in the public office for how many years? And what has he done? What has he done? Yeah.
and yet he gets to live off marching in the 60s. What? <laughs> what? Yep. I think in uh, uh, what he's, uh, you know, he's he was actually um, a great uh, a great mayor, apparently, you know, which is great. Of a white town? Yeah, I mean, Lily okay. White. We're okay. talking Vermont. Exactly. So, Lily again, white. again yeah. you can, it's easy to be progressive in, in a place like that. Um, yep. Again, when I don't consider him a progressive, um, if all you have to talk to me is about is Medicare for all, who doesn't want health care in 2023? And if you can't talk about the fact that any any um, plan for universal health care is rooted in supremacy, coercion, discrimination, exploitation free, then all you're doing is replicating the bullshit we have now. Yep. Well, I think um, it, it's, you know, we talk about Bernie, we can talk about um, DSA in general and how there's a lot of DSA chapters. I'm not going to name any particular ones, but probably so let it run the blanks uh so the democratic socialists it's uh -huh. you know it's basically this you know the party of of bernie and uh aoc and those folks and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they have some genuinely great policies but if you go down to the the chapter level which is where really the work happens you get a lot of cities where uh a lot of black organizers just like i like I was I tried being in DSA <laughs> and it was white supremacy. It was racist as fuck. <laughs> racist as fuck. And yeah. you know, and so there I have a lot of friends who are, you know, black organizers that we organize with who are ex-DSA. And you kind of go, well, why why do I know four or five black women who tried to be a part of DSA and and are no longer, right? And, and uh and when you criticize them for that, woo. And they, that, they really and that exactly, that. and that speaks to what I, you know, I, I say often. I don't. To me, it's all the same: socialism, uh, um, Marxism, communism, um, capitalism, um, fascism, um, right, left, moderate, progressive, um, far right. It's all rooted in white supremacy. Until we yep. can have that conversation, there is nothing I need to talk to you about because it all will replicate. To show me. And people want to argue about what's a, what's a socialist and, and no one's ever done. Okay, whatever. There have been examples of people trying to implement socialism all over this country, and it's all rooted in white supremacy. There's been, I mean, you look at the even, look at the fascists. Who the fuck are fascists? It ain't black folks. Yep. Yep. I think, you know, I, I think what's interesting too is, is this is where the nuance of the argument comes in, which is people always say, oh, well, Look at this famous um, black anarchist. Like, look at Kwasi Balagoon. He was a you know member of the Black Panther Party. He was queer. He's an anarchist. You know, okay, we're not we're not talking about the lineage here. We're not talking about um, finding particular examples. We're talking about how people. How are you organizing here today in your group, right? And, and then uh, the day to day decisions and who gets to take space, who gets to make decisions, yes. who, you know. And and I think. Uh, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing and, thing and at a local that, tiny level. But my challenge to that, and, and this is why folks don't want to have these conversations with me. If you are white and you can name one motherfucker, you got a problem with yep. millions of people in this country. And yeah. all you can name is one damn person. Yep. No, it's, uh, I think it's the same thing as we got, I got a black friend. I can't be racist. Right. Right. Um, and by the way, do they think, do they count you as a friend? Probably not. If you're acting like, oh, my, oh, oh, let, oh, let's have that conversation. How white folks just really believe they're yeah. in, they're in 
um in 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 relationships with black folks. Yeah. Oh, Lisa at the office. She and I are great friends. Hmm. <laughs> No, Lisa knows all your business because white folks are centered and y'all tell us everything. But tell me something about Lisa's family. What do you know about Lisa? Yep. Oh, no, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. No, I. it's, I don't know. This stuff's interesting and, and it, it's like, um, infects things at every level. And it's like, why don't, why don't we work on this at a super, super local level in like this very, very small group of organizers that you work with and examine how white supremacy shows up, you know, in, in the work that I do. You know, and, and it's something that I still get checked by, um, you know, the black people that I organize with and, and the you know, Latino people that I organize with. So it's it's and I always will, you know, and, and uh, if they feel uh, if they continue to feel like it's worth their time to, to give me feedback, that's a good thing, you know, because not everyone not everyone is worth the time. Not everyone tries to be. And so let's speak. Uh, so that's where, okay, let's talk about that. Cause that is where we talk about, go back to social media and let's talk about our time at Twitter, that the expectation, the demand that someone do that for you, that mm -hmm. demand that, well, you say, I didn't know. So you tell me, no, bitch, I ain't got to tell you nothing. <laughs> it's just yep. like, what nope. you did was fucked up. And if you can't, and I'm, it's not my job to tell you how it's fucked up. Yeah. It's, it's also like, it's, uh, it's so refreshing to just say, nope, I'm not doing this with you. Yeah. And then people get so frustrated. Like, yes. well, you, you, somehow you broke the rules. Like, you owe me a debate. Otherwise, yep. you're losing the, it's like, I, dude, I don't care. Just ask the people around you or just buzz off or block me. I'm not doing this. I don't, yep. I have better things to do with my time. You know? And it's like, and oh, well, what's your source on that? Like, oh, my source? yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> Oh. Like this is this is not the one on one class. That's down the hall. This is a graduate <laughs> level course, you know. But and, it's so and, interesting because yeah. no one ever questions white people on what's your source. Where's your data for your lived experience? Yeah. Um, mind you, there's shitloads of data about our lived experience that's documented in research, and no yep. one wants to wants to believe that at all. Um, you have ever? I mean, we're we're recording this two weeks after another black man was uh, was was murdered um, mm -hmm. by by police. And that shit is traumatizing. I mean, that shit is, I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it because it's not new. It's not news. It's the very reason I can't watch movies like Boys in the Hood. I can't mm -hmm. watch Set It Off. I can't, and I've, me and you have had these conversations. I can't, and that was before I even had the language to understand why I stopped watching those movies in my 20s because I realized I was being so triggered by it. And what I would tell people, I was like, I don't want to see something that could happen at any moment in my real life. Right, right. I don't, I don't need to see this, you know. Uh, it's, it's an interesting aspect of our friendship, too, where the, the, the stuff that we text each other, you know, pretty much daily, and it's just mostly memes and lighthearted things. It's because, something silly or music, yes. Because yeah, <laughs> you're, you're doing that work, and you're also, that's been your lived reality since you were born, and, and your family's as well. And so it's like, what am I, why would I show you that stuff? You know, or ask what you think about it. Like, no. And there have been times, let's be honest, where you have gone down that, and I've had to say, hey, 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 let's put the brakes on that. You're you're crossing yep. my boundary. Getting a little close to, yeah, so exactly. How that feels when I send you that message that said, hey, nope. What 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 does that feel like? Um, that's a good question. I have to put myself in the moment and think about it. Um, I think I feel a little bit uh, like, oops, like. You know, uh, uh, I don't I don't think I process it in a like a sensitive way or something. I just go, oops, OK. And a lot of it is um, stuff that I 
you know, might have been like, I think this is going to be okay. And I send this over and it's like, nope. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate you clarifying the boundary. Sorry about that. And I'll, I'll update my mental model to be like, e this stuff here is still too, still too adjacent, right? Where it's still a little too raw or it's too close to, to something. So I think for me, I just, I just update my little model in my head and be like, okay. And some of it is... And this is why I, I, I'm, we're also working on um, launching White Do Rehab, because some <laughs> of it is stuff that you don't need to be talking with Black people about at all. <laughs> you need to leave us the fuck out of this. But yep. I recognize that white dudes don't have many safe spaces to process any of this. And so it becomes a paralyzing thing because they don't know they want they don't want to be complicit they know they know they should be doing something better but they don't know how or and 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 i want to provide a space where we're, where i can you know me i'm always trying to eliminate that excuse so then i can say nope you ain't got no excuse here's this group over here go over yep. there and do your work <laughs> yep. well i think uh, like one of the things that that i i try to get better at is uh it's okay to ask for permission to to raise a topic it's like it's okay to ask for consent before yes. you get into something and so like i know that i've done that with you where i'm like hey friend you know i'm really going through something that's like kind of traumatic it's it might i'd like to talk to you about it it might sort of touch on some other stuff that's been a boundary for you but you know if at any point you're open to having that conversation with me i could really just use your ears and uh you know and then sometimes... i get to make that choice i get to evaluate in that moment do I have the spoons for this? Do yep. is this because it's going to be emotional labor, whether whether I um if I so I'm like, do I have in this moment? And sometimes I was like, no, can't do that. Or yep. um, can we do this later? Or okay, yeah, I got I'm high right now. Let's do it right. Now. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, it's and so I just like asking for permission goes a long way, you know. But that makes so much sense because we we make it makes sense in sexual partners. Yep. Right. So yep. why would we think that asking for consent is well, I can tell you why, because black folks don't have humanity to white people. Mm. We we are in service to you for everything. We are not to have our own lives, our own narratives, our own. As you can see what's happening in Florida right now. I don't know why these folks continue. It is this is like the the the, the worst game of long term planning of consequences that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I wonder if your book is even going to be legal in Florida. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Oh, huh. oh, I'm on the band. I might be on the band book list. That's, oh, go that's goals my right there. I'm off the gates. That would be uh that's a feather in your cap. If it happens. Wow. I didn't even think about that. It's CRT, right? According to them, everything's CRT. Yeah, everything. And they us. have no fucking clue what CRT is, but nope. it's even the fact of you saying that African-American studies has no value. Yeah. That right there. And the fact that people, there are a large, large enough swath of individuals who believe that and allow you to say that without being checked says everything that I need and why I'm suspicious of uh, why white po folks don't understand. I don't understand why you, why y'all get upset when black folks don't trust you. Everything we in our history says you are not to be trusted. Yeah, everything in my history says that Chad and I should not be friends. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, and also I think, um, uh, you did, you, you did 
take your time with me, you know? Oh, like, hell yeah, because like you, demonstrated you were blocked. Over... You remember? I, yep. you were blo I blocked you, and I didn't even yep. know who you were. And the person who introduced me, Adusta, said, yeah, you haven't blocked. I was like, who the fuck is Chad? <laughs> yeah, yep. Sorry, not sorry. Yep. Exactly. And so yeah. what I did was unblock you, and that individual told you you were unblocked, but I didn't follow. I mean, I was like, okay, let's see what the fuck he, yeah. they do. <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because I think for the last year when I had Twitter, there was an understanding that you weren't following me because my feed was yep. full of fucking triggering Ex shit. And exactly. Like, and so you would send me about. certain shit that you knew I wouldn't see, but I might need to be abreast of. Yep. But yeah, you you had, and that's another thing. You had no expectation in our friendship. Okay, let's okay, let's let's be honest about this. We we have I have very clear rules. White people need to know we're not we're we're not on the same footing. Chad and Kristen, who will be speaking um to you on the next episode, understand that these this relationship is not equitable. If you're not here to be of service to me, I have nothing. What I you you cannot. What are you here in my life? Because yep. being in, in, in a relationship with white people takes a lot of effort, just period. Just the fact that I even have to correct you at any time is a lot because you're a friend. Nobody wants to do that. That's I can't. Then it's like, can I be safe? That there's a whole thing, lot of things going on with that. And yet, white folk or whiteness again because it's sinner gets offended when I say, yeah, no, I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. Yeah. I would rather be around black people. That's just I feel safe. I feel um, I know I, we speak the same language. Um, we we know the same. I don't care where you're from in the United States. We we know what it means when somebody says something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> we, you know, I think, it, I, I, think you, I sent you that uh, the essay a couple of years ago about the uh, with the author um, called The Nick Reading. You know, he's like, well, just like, he, you know, as a black man, if he's on, he's, he's on the subway somewhere and he sees another black man and there's like a little nod and it's. Oh, and it's... oh I do that at tech conferences. Oh, my God. Yep. I do that at tech conferences. I remember going to um, a, a closure conference and we were in, I think, Oof, I think that's... it was, I think it was Austin. Now I can tell you the closure community has been so welcoming to me when I was, when I was first starting and I was so surprised. There were, I met several trans people in that community, but when I went to, um, and so one of the, um, one of the organizers of, 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 of closure, he actually either sponsored me to go to conference or had me speak at like several of his conferences because he was trying to get my voice out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but he runs strange loop. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I remember walking. And so what they would do and because they knew they were just white. They were on the first night of all of these conferences, they would have a dinner for all the women, which were maybe 30. And we they they we go somewhere and they pay for our dinners. And then during the conference, they would have a, where they would pay for the black attendees. And it's usually was five or six of us and they pay for we go to a restaurant. We wouldn't be so we can connect so I can commend them for that. But I can tell you when I first walked in that conference, it was over. It was about 500 people. And I had to pay play. Where's Waldo to find a black person? Mm -hmm. that's un that makes me uneasy yeah it's a it's a safety thing and that's where the greeting and the nod almost and definitely because it's in. like it's like i see you some shit pop off i see you uh-huh i don't have that when i go into white spaces if some shit pop off i know it's all I, i'm the only person that got my back yep yep no i think it's um uh, you know another kind of dynamic of the friendship too is uh just 
me kind of not getting too comfortable, you know, like not, not taking things for granted yep. and things like that. And I, I think that's some, something <laughs> and that I appreciate I've had that. to work and because on. Uh, that's not a lesson most white people know. And you, you are very respectful. You're very, um, I can say, and it's, and it's again, um, in particular how we got together and what's happened over our relationship over the last, whoo, has it been five years, six I years? so. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh -huh. Yeah, we're talking maybe longer because I feel like maybe 2017. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. thinking too. It was 2017. Yeah. Wow. And so mm -hmm. what it's, it's been even with the, okay, let me tell you, I'm, I'm going to be honest. The reason why I, I can trust Chad because Chad shows up for me in ways that I don't ask for. When I needed a new laptop, Chad sent me a laptop. When I, anything I need, if I really need it, Chad will, let me figure this out. Um, um, what do you need? When, uh, when, when I was really into causing scene, you were like, have you called your, um, your um, public safety to let, make sure you don't get swatted? And mm -hmm. you bugged me for months until I did it. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to finish this, my friend. Yeah. And, I, I, and you dip, that's what a consistent demonstrated anti-racist practice looks like. It's I not, it, oh, wanting to, you've never called yourself my ally. You've called yourself my friend because you've earned the place to be my friend. I don't have many friends either. So the friends I do have, you know, it's, I don't Same. want to be my black friend. I, you're my friend, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and so I love you a lot, Kim, you know, and, and I, I try to take care of you in the ways that I can. Yeah, and I and I and it's always it's always humbling. It's just like I, you don't know how many times I've cried because you, and I'm getting emotional right now because uh -huh. you have shown me. Again, I know your pronouns are they them, but you present as a white man, and you mm -hmm. are my biggest fear, and you show me that I can be safe around white men. And that's huge. That's, so I want to thank you for that. Oh, I'm going to cry too. <laughs> yeah, you being, I mean, just whenever we connect, whenever we get together, you always, like the first time I went back to, I hadn't been to LA in for a while and I was like, I want to go to Roscoe's. And your wife at the time was like, you're going to take her to Roscoe's? She was like, that's where she want to go. <laughs> uh -huh. And what did we get last time? Oh yeah, we went to Soul Food. <laughs> You're like, I know this great soul food restaurant. Uh-huh. That place is really good. Yes. Oh no, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, was yeah. cold outside. And we got it before they were about to close. And it was just so I you are. And that's what people are like, oh, Kim hates white people. No, I don't. I hate whiteness. I hate that y'all don't understand that in order to benefit from the systems, institutions, and policies of white supremacy and anti-Blackness, you lose your humanity. It is a bargaining. It's not a free thing for you. You lose that part of you that is loving. You lose that part of you that can be trusted. You lose that part of you that you crave in connection with like the Black community because we are a community. There is no solidarity in whiteness. There is no solid, there's no community in whiteness. It's all about the individual. It's all about the lone wolf. It is all about me, me, me. And black folks 
could not have survived y'all's bullshit for all these centuries had it not been for our communities. Yep. No, it's, uh, and as you always say, it, it's, it devours its host, right? It always, yep. like, the look at what white Elon is doing is right now, now eating its host. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, I got to experience that a bit. I didn't, I didn't process it in those terms as a kid, but you know, my dad went to prison for multiple years for weed, yep. you know, uh, when, when I was a kid and like changed the whole trajectory of our family. Um, and it's so interesting how these things have multi-generational impacts, but yes. did I conceptualize that as the anti-black war on drugs and that, no, not the time. No, but you look back on it and you go, Oh, so that is, there's a hell of a lot of white people who get killed by the police. There's a hell of a lot of white people who get, um, you know, jammed up by the war on drugs. Not not that it's to the same level, but it's the same mechanism, you know, and it, and it ends up and damaging. You, and you can see it, the difference between weed and crack and Oxycontin. Yep. Um, particularly when you know that crack was a drug not for black people, but for poor people. Mm -hmm. And there are more white poor people than there are white uh, black poor people. And the reason, and I say this over and over again, the reason black people are only getting caught up in fentanyl and on Oxycontin now because it's a street drug. It's because physicians don't believe black people's pain. So we never got caught. We didn't get caught up in the opioid epidemic because we weren't prescribed those kinds of medicines. Yep. Yep. It, 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 um, so a lot of these things are so racialized, you know. And so that's why I need people to go deeper. If you hear a story about black whatever crime, I need you to look a little deeper. <laughs> I need you not to take it as, oh, that's the black community. It's a it's a, it's a crime written community. No, it's a black community because it's redlined and it's this, then it's that, and it's it's not some. It's not a binary. It well, it gets. It also gets to the like the multi generational aspect of things like you know, i try to talk to people about the housing crisis and i'm like you know there is a housing crisis and it, you can't talk about the housing crisis in la without talking about redlining i mean la yep. especially i'm like Ooh, you know yep. um but you also can't talk about homelessness without talking about the the war on the black family and and the <laughs> fact that many of my friends like my friend daniel um you know he's a black guy he's unhoused um he aged out of the foster care system mm -hmm. you know you know my my you know i have foster brothers and sisters too and i get to see see the system from from the inside, from the inside. Mm -hmm. yeah uh, but you know so many black children end up wards of the state they, they, the kids get taken away from the parents because there's there's this oh well you you can't be black and poor and be a good parent right and you know the stuff that you were teaching me about how the, the system made it in, in, uh, dangerous for black men to stay around. Women, the black moms couldn't access their benefits if they were, if, if exactly. The I mean, and that's what I was just about to go to. Cause, um, yep. um, my mom did an episode of the, um, call the scene podcast where she talked about being living in the projects and that men, they, I mean, you could not tell my benefits. You could not get a house in the projects if a man lived with you, but yet you want to have the narrative of the broke black broken home. You broke the home. And so you had men who were married to women who were sneaking in at night, but then you have the people who work for the um, uh, public um, housing doing spot checks, just popping up and going through people's underwear drawers, Oof. invading their privacy just to see if a man lives there. 
All of these things are 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 a byproduct or or were the 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 before of what we have now. So when mm -hmm. you talk about the black broken home, there are a lot of different things that led to that. And it's not due to black men not wanting to be with their 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 families or black women just wanting to have babies out of wedlock. Y'all set that system up. It's a strategy. Yeah. Yep. Well, and 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 then you see we end up dealing with the very, very like leaf level or sort of like way, way downstream effects of stuff where, where um, in, in California, I think um, it's, I think California is pretty much similar to the rest of the nation, but nearly 50% of, um, of the people who are, are unhoused have spent time in foster care and something mm. like 30% of children who age out of foster care become homeless within four years of aging out so by age oh, 20, wow i didn't know that right? because when you're 18 yeah but yeah. you're done sorry system yeah. no more use for you and that makes sense because as a special you know i was a special needs teacher and at 18 i don't care how um much support that those parents gave to that child um and needed with the development at 18, I was, when they hit 18, I was no longer legally allowed to talk okay. to the parents. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Unless yep. the student said, my per my parent can come to my IEP meeting or they can help me make decisions. I'm no longer allowed to talk to the person who's been taking care of this child forever. Yep. No, it's, um, you know, and, and, and just, just the being in the system by itself with the best foster parenting that you can get within the way that the system allows it. Well, also, just what brings me up about that is the fact that you, they don't, the systems are extremes. They don't get you when you're about to teeter off or when there's a warning light, you know, when the yellow light comes on. Mm -hmm. They want to run in when the red light has been blaring for hours or days and then say it's it's the fault of whatever when there yeah. are warnings, when you could have the resources. This is, a, again, the thing with, with the, the defunding police. If you're talking about defunding the police and handing that money over to a different racist as part of our systems, institutions and policies, what the hell is that going to do with when you're talking about um um, why we're sending police officers to, to mental crisis, mental health crisis issues or uh, domestic violence issues. If you're talking about mental health people, um, um, uh, folks who are having mental health challenges in those moments, or there's a, a, a child welfare issue, but you're, you're coming from that place, you're not helping. Yep. No, it's, it's again, people, I try to explain to people, I've argued with cops about this before too. And they're like, well, you know, when, when they're standing around. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to let you go. But the yeah. fact that you get to argue with cops, but go ahead. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I, I now, because so many of our volunteers have been arrested for on nonsense charges, just because the cops don't like us there, you know, at the encampments, it, I do come away still shaking, you know, and, and I'm uh, sure, but, but I would come away dead, but go ahead. Yeah, no, it's uh, well, I'm I'm also there because uh, cops are on their better behavior when I'm filming yep, them. Exactly. And, and so many times when, you know, people have been like, ah, I'm glad you showed up when you did, because they were about to take me in. And then they saw you filming and, you know, you know, one of the cop like nudged her, you know, partner and like said, oh, this, you know, this dude's filming. And like all of a sudden they're cutting me loose and, you know, unhooking me and mm -hmm, it could have mm -hmm. gone very differently. But it's I guess just like the cops 
they're just part of the system too, where it's like, they're, they're like, Oh, well, we don't want to be here. You know, we got crime to fight. And I, and, and, you know, what do you, you can't defund the police. Cause what about all the crime? And I said, well, you guys don't, don't prevent crime. You, you don't prevent the- crime. <laughs> no, you're all, you're running around, you know, trying to arrest people and, and, uh, and, and it's like the bluntest, most violent tool for, for the, for a problem that starts way upstream by the time you're dealing with domestic violence, by the time you're dealing with, you know, uh, whatever it is on the streets, like the, we've already lost an opportunity yeah. to address that problem. Yep. And by the way, we're at a, to- at, a, at a lower cost. We've lost an opportunity that would cost us lo- That's lots exactly less what I was money. Gonna say. Yeah, the, this is the, the this is strategic, like the most expensive way to deal with issues. And and it, not even that we're really dealing with them in an effective way. But I was gonna say, not only most expensive, but the most ineffective. Yep. Yep. It's it's very effective when you consider that the goal is to really just cap capture taxpayer dollars and you yeah. know like just yeah. essentially create massive bureaucracies and and rule them with violence. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, just like if the, if the goal oh, is to help, this is not how to do it. <laughs> right, right, and we know that's not really the goal. Yes, you know, fundamentally, mm-hmm. and and you can even have people in the system who don't even understand they're they're participating in the system and they don't even understand what the real goals of the system are. They're just yep. perpetuating it, you mm-hmm. know, but. God damn, it's a really expensive way to deal with stuff. Yep. All right. I want to stop there. That was enough of that. Let's talk yep. about why 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 can't two bitches be joyful? So <laughs> <laughs> we always like to end. So what are you joyful about, Chad? Um, I you know, I'm really joyful that um I have had the luck and privilege and opportunity to uh, take some time and, and redefine my career uh, and think about where I spend my time and uh, and invest in time with with my son, you know, and, mm. and I know uh, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So I'm really grateful for that. And for me, it is. It's so funny because I've been so frustrated these last few. I've been going through the last few days, I mean, few weeks. And I was saying uh, uh, yesterday. um I was telling um, my mentor, I was saying um, that old Kim was kicking in where I just like, fuck it. And when I say that, it could either mean let's go full steam ahead or just walk the fuck away. And yep. so I was I was like, fuck this. I'm going to quit. And then I was like, but you're going to quit and do what? Because this you can't do this is what you do. You can't do nothing else. And it was like, yep. fuck. OK, 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 OK. Yeah. So just finding ways to make just like today okay i could just give you an example um i i was um somebody bought 10 copies of my book and he reached out he pre-ordered and he reached they they reached out because they wanted to know if they were going to be in time for an off-site thing they're doing and i had to tell people um we just got started back sending them out because the person who was sending them out had covid and so they just recovered and then I just spontaneously, because I'm trying to figure out how am I going to bring in income, I just spontaneously say, hey, um, would you be interested in, since you have your, if you're if you're doing this by your team, because this is what I want, I want people to use this as a team thing. Um, would you, I'd be welcome to um, facilitate something for the team. And he was like, oh my God, yes. So that was just like one of those spur the moment, um, spontaneous camp, like just see what he says. Yeah. And, and so now he's in touch with my team to, see if we can get something together. And that's the, what the work is. That's, I want to scale this to as many folks as possible. Because as I said, as I've said before, there are so many more of us who want something different. We're just not organized and we just don't have the language and the tools and the knowledge to do it because 
what, what we and you and I talk about this all the time. What we're trying to create is something that was never meant to exist. We weren't supposed to work in in in, in harmony and collective with each other. You're not uh, uh, um, you're not supposed to be out dealing with the unhoused, particularly the black unhoused. You're not. I'm not supposed to be having these honest, uncomfortable conversations with white folks um, just to get us to the other side. And so that's where I I I found my joy in my work again. Um, and so that has been, that is, that's something I'm sitting with today because I, if I don't like this, this stuff will burn me the fuck out. Yeah. I, I've, I've often in these times of transition for you, I've always admired your patience where you're like, something's shifting. I'm sitting with it. You know, I'm fighting my urge <laughs> to just light it on fire and pour <laughs> gasoline on it, you know, and, and yep. it will become clear to me because I don't want to come from a place of moving away from something, but I want to understand what I'm moving towards. Uh, and and I've always that, admired that. And that's why I had to reframe for myself, my definition of, um, of, of anti-racism. I do not, I did, I decided particularly once I stopped cause a scene, I did not want my whole life to be fighting against white supremacy and anti-blackness. Um, and I was like, so what do I want to, what do I want for? What am I moving towards? And that is where I developed supremacy, coercion, discrimination, and exploitation free. That's why I define it that way because I can't. I'm a joyful, silly ass person, and mm -hmm. I don't want this heavy ass weight all the time. And yeah. also, I'm not here to convince or convert or, or debate you. You either want to understand it or you don't. Keep going. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Which Which aspects do you think uh, of of creating something new versus opposing something? What's What's easier? What have you found to be easier about creation versus like opposition? What have you found to be harder? The hardest part is 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 because the 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 against is so about our culture. If you just look at everything is a opposition and everything that that is our whole thing. That's why the Bernie Sanders thing got on my nerves. It's always the revolution, the fight, and and it seems it sounds binary, it sounds innocent. It sounds like oh yeah, but that's not something you can do long term and sustain it and be healthy and happy. It's just not so. Once that's the hardest part, figuring out what that thing is. But once you figure out what that thing is, it's like having a little uh, uh, whatever your favorite flower in your hand and you're mm. just admiring it because you're like, look at this thing. Look at this thing. Every petal's different, you know, um, and you just look at it for the unique thing. Because I, what I can say is, that's what I tell them, I'm like, people can't debate me because I'm making this shit up every day. You can't debate what the fuck I'm trying to figure out every day. What the fuck? Who, who do you think you are? Right. But that's a part of that. It gets my ADHD brain going. I get, I love to get in this part. So that's where once I stopped the fight against, it opened up a whole new world. I'm softer now. I'm, yeah. I'm kinder. I'm, um, I can extend grace to some people who I normally wouldn't extend grace mm -hmm. to. Uh, it just opened up my heart. There's like a quietness too that you have to embrace yes. if you want to create yes. stuff. There's there's a stop. It's hard, right? Because I think we get, I, certainly I've experienced this where you get really good at lurching from crisis to crisis. Exactly. And, and that's always, what, yeah. that goes back to our trigger, which was the PTSD. It is addictive. It is. It's Twitter addictive. is. Yes. Like I realized that, I realized that once that. I got, uh, once I went to Mastodon, and my dopamine, I'm like, oh my God, I was fucking addicted to that shit. 
Yep. And and it's never been comfortable. I I, I think no, no, Twitter no. was never a safe place for a lot of people. No, it's it's where you go. Up. You're addicted, but you have to brace yourself. So even the cognitive dissonance of of doing it was was because it's addictive, but you got to put on your full armor of the Lord to go into it every time. You know, and you like, oh, you know, it's eight thirty a.m. You're like, all right, you know, yep. like. What's yep. going? Who's the main character today? What are we all arguing about today? And then yep. I don't know. Being off of there has is, is been interesting because um, uh, 99.999% of, of people that you would interact with on a daily basis don't know what the fuck is going on on Twitter, right? And like, <laughs> yep. no one's going to remember what who's last week's main character was, yep. mm-hmm. you know, what the little niche debate was on Twitter. Like, I'm not saying this stuff doesn't matter because I, th- I do think like, hey, a lot of the discourse kind of got germinated there and and oh no twitter was an important platform um and that's why i felt so much angst so i can give elon this this he broke my habit (laughs) yeah same same just by kicking me off i also think by the way to be to be the richest man in the history of the world and to personally ban chad loader some obscure (laughs) activist in la with like a hundred thousand followers like well, but do you remember when this was so first, embarrassing when he, when he first bought it? You remember I kept I kept saying this man has all this money and still cannot buy peace. And that yep. that's where we'll leave it because that's what you and I know we have in our lives. Yep. He does not have peace. Well, I mean, when you're a shitty person and you've driven everyone away and your life is a shambles, then you know, this is this is you always end up essentially being embraced by the worst people. And your relationships are transactional. I don't believe our relationship is transactional. I believe that I'm fully in your heart and that you're fully in my heart. And that yeah. is some that means something. Yeah. Well, that gets to just being in adulthood and kind of re <laughs> recreating who your family is, you know, and like adding, Ooh, adding, yes. adding people really carefully. Like I, in my old age now, I'm really careful about how I build out my circles. Yep. And, and I never had really put much thought into it. You just people, you spend a lot of time around people, they end up, but I'm really pretty deliberate about that now. Too. Yeah, I'm uh, very much so. Yes. And well, uh, I actually, you. that's speaking of joy. I mean, that's something I get a lot of joy. Yes, from. exactly. So, little circle. That's what I was, exactly. Because that was the thing that I said. I said, I've, I've, I've moved folks out of my life who I didn't want in there. And so now the people who are left are people who I want to be there. So this is where I'm investing my time. This is where I'm investing my energy. So I really want to thank you for standing in for me today and, and, and taking some time out your day to hang out with me today, friend. Oh, I'm really, I'm really happy to do that. Uh, I love you, my friend. All right. We are laying the foundation for a future that is hopeful, authentic, and strategic in action. Will you join us? Thank you and have a wonderful day, everyone.